I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast. I will get my revenge. Hey, what's up, Power Players? We are back. I am your host and guide, Tom Tate, and you are listening to Episode 5 of the Power Time Podcast, a journey through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time. So what we're going to do right now is time travel back to 1989, and I want everyone to just take a few seconds. Let's take a few seconds of silence right now and I just want you to hum your favorite video game tune. So think back to the old days. Think back to the NES. I, I know, I know, I know that it sounds silly, but it's fun. And that's what the spirit of this podcast is all about. This podcast is all about fun. So we're going to take four or five seconds of silence. And I just want you to hum your favorite little tune from the old days. All right, we're back. Are you feeling it? Are you feeling back, you know, transported back to 1989 after humming that little tune? I'll give you a little secret. Mine was The Legend of Zelda. Whenever you picked up an item, it would give you the ba-da-da-da. Sorry, that wasn't really in tune. But I I, I just want to take a moment and, and think about, you know, March, April of 1989, which is when this issue came out. So back in, in March and April of 1989, Mike Myers joined SNL. So this is going way back. This is, you know, the beginning of an era in SNL, Wayne's World, uh, all the amazing sketches that Mike Myers was a part of. This was the beginning of his his career. Uh, Madonna had a controversial Like a Prayer ad that Pepsi ran, uh, and it ran during the Cosby show. And that was a, that was a really big deal back then. Uh, so some of us might be old enough to remember this. For some, you may have no idea what I'm talking about. But one of my uh, favorite cheesy 1980s movies was released uh, back in 1989 at this time. That was Dream a Little Dream featuring Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. So April 1989, uh, it would also see the release of Say Anything. So you might remember the classic uh, classic romantic comedy, uh, Holding the Boombox, very iconic. And Major League, another great classic comedy from from that era. So I, I want to also keep in perspective as we're time traveling back to 89 that at this time, the Sega Genesis has not even hit the US market. So we're talking about Nintendo Power, we're talking about Nintendo and you know the NES was sitting on top. If you wanted to own a video game console, you know, you're asking mom and dad, you're pleading with mom and dad for that Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, so you're really, it's your, it's your one-stop shop. So everyone on the block, uh, if they weren't kind of kicking around the Atari, uh, most kids, uh, most of us growing up, we had that Nintendo Entertainment System because the Sega Genesis just wasn't released yet. So all of that being said, it is time to sharpen up that dragon sword and slice into Nintendo Power issue number five. Again, the March-April 1989 issue featuring none other than Ninja Gaiden. So I'm going to uh, address the elephant in the room 
there are multiple pronuncia- uh, pronunciations of Ninja Gaiden. A lot of people say Ninja Gaiden, uh, Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden. I grew up saying Ninja Gaiden. That's what I'm going to say. You can heckle me on Twitter all you want, at TNRT. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big boy. I can take it. Uh, but that's the pronunciation you're going to hear in this episode because I will be saying it a lot. So let's let's take a second to dissect this cover. So we've seen a few different cover styles at this point in our journey. We saw the claymation style that was featured in the Super Mario Brothers 2 issue. We saw the painted covers that were featured in the Legend of Zelda and Castlevania issues. And now we have kind of a new cover style in issue number five. So this issue shows that painting illustration style in the background. We have the sun and the moon. Uh, We have these mountains uh, with a bright blue background behind them. In the foreground, there's a port city uh, that's kind of bordering a jungle. It's pretty cool. It's a really cool art style, and it's a very attractive scene. And I especially dug the way that the yellow and red Nintendo Power logo, uh, very iconic, it pops over top of this blue background. Very, very cool. However, superimposed atop of all of this you know, beautiful artwork is a photographic image of an actor dressed up as a ninja. And it feels very, very tacky, but you don't get me wrong. It feels very tacky in all the right ways. So I was obsessed with ninjas in 1989. And I even think that I was a ninja, if not 1989, Halloween, uh, 1990 or 1991. So, you know, there was a ninja craze in my area of the US. uh, And this was you know, for me, this was a fine, attractive choice for Nintendo for a cover, uh, albeit very, very cheesy. Uh, you'll have to look this up, and you can check out powertimepodcast.com slash five for the show notes for this episode, and I have an image of every cover in the show notes, or you can just Google uh, issue number five of Nintendo Power to check it out. So obviously, the cover story for this is going to be Ninja Gaiden, and the subheading, which we'll talk about, is uh, New Hit in cinema display. So after that, we have explosive TMNT red hot preview. We have more link adventures because we can't escape those first party Nintendo titles. We have a CES report, a game tour and contest. And of course, down uh, at the footer of the cover, we have, you know, the official Nintendo seal of quality. And we have the assurance that Nintendo power is still the source for nes players straight from the pros uh and again that official gold seal of quality is looking great price on the shelf still three dollars and fifty cents very very affordable uh if you wanted to pick up all the hot tips uh very very affordable you know for me uh, especially growing up tmnt teenage mutant ninja turtles and ninja gaiden alone is enough to make you salivate for all the action-packed Uh, goodness that is going to be in this issue. So let's not hold back. Let's jump right in uh, and check out the inside cover. So flip open the cover. The inside cover features a repeat ad. So you see a couple of these repeat ads. This one is Tidal Wave, T-I-T-L-E, Wave. Uh, There's a kid in some real late 80s garb. Uh, He's surfing and he's holding these stacks of game boxes on his board and in his hands. Uh, And, you know, he's just promoting that there are more titles than you think on the NES. There are a lot of titles in this library to get into. Uh, flip to the next page. The welcome letter from the editor uh, talks about Ninja Gaiden's all-new cinema display format. Uh, 
and this is in all this is in caps you know so this cinema display format it's it's a big deal uh and i'm curious i want to know what this is and we're going to find out today also teased is a big five-page ces report we'll learn about uh ces uh some other games mentioned include tmnt bayou billy strider and cobra triangle so i am you know particularly excited for this issue because we start to see the first format change of the magazine. So Nintendo Power adds an official preview section uh, and the Nintendo Power Awards, uh, aka the Nesters in this issue, and a rating system known as the Power Meter. So glancing at the table of contents, we're in for a really good show uh, and they move some sections around. So I want to take this opportunity just to mention that this podcast uh, is going to change the form. I'm going to change the format of this podcast uh, effective probably next episode. So they're getting a little long. I'm trying. I'm really trying to keep them around 45 minutes, uh, no longer than 45 minutes. They've been coming in closer to an hour. So rather than go page by page, cover to cover uh, for every issue, uh, I'm going to create my own format for the show and cover all the good stuff in terms of some of the fat. So if you have any feedback on that, don't hesitate to reach out. You can reach out to me at Yo Power Time uh, on Twitter. Best way to get in touch with me at Yo, Y-O Power Time. And let me know how you feel about the format of the show. That would be really awesome. Uh, and of course, you can leave a review on iTunes if you love it or hate it. And uh, let me know what your thoughts are. But we're going to jump right into it this time. We're going to follow the same old format. We're going to go through every section of the magazine. Uh, and we're going to have a great time. So up first, shifting around a bit, we have Mailbox. And this moved from the uh, the back of the magazine to the front of the magazine. Nothing too crazy here. We have one letter from an 83-year-old at a retirement home who started a Nintendo Fun Club with other citizens. And they had over 43 games. I thought this was incredible. So Nintendo responds by saying, with a wide variety of action, adventure, and sports games, there's nothing. There's something for everyone on the NES. And to me, this felt like a total placed ad. This felt completely made up. The idea that this 83-year-old uh, has 43 games with his Nintendo Fun Club at the Retirement Center. All right, I want everybody to just take a deep breath because we are going back to the land of Hyrule just for a second, but we're going back. back into Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. So last episode, we covered The Adventure of Link uh, in great detail. Uh, last issue of Nintendo Power, we reviewed the first four palaces. And here in Nintendo Power, issue number five, we cover the fifth and the sixth palaces. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but there is a nice layout of items that you'll need to find. And there's a map on where you need to go to find them. As I mentioned last week, Zelda 2 very very difficult title one thing i struggled with uh, in my recent playthrough that i actually had to google uh, the answer uh, was finding bagu who is this guy who lives in the woods and he gives you a letter that lets you cross a bridge uh, in the town of saria 
and his house is secretly hidden in the woods. I never would have found it if it weren't for either Nintendo Power uh, in this episode, in this issue, it highlights where it is in the woods, or uh, the internet, which you just didn't have access to back then. So this is just an important reminder that these magazines were super valuable, uh, if not for the awesome content and the exciting previews, uh, but for these maps and these tips uh, to help you get through. Um, you needed a friend or a game guide or something to help you get through the game. Um, or a lot of time on your hands to just go through every single cell of the, the forest until you kind of stumbled into this hidden block. So we're going to move on from Zelda 2, but before we do that, I want to quickly recognize uh, my appreciation for a review that was recently left on iTunes. And this review uh, was from Juan's Gallery. If you still remember Super Mario Brothers theme song, welcome. If you loved NES and ever held a Nintendo Power magazine in your hands, welcome home. I love what Tom is doing with this podcast, and I have been enjoying the nostalgia overload. I hope you love it as much as I do. And that was a five-star review. Uh, So I just want to give a shout-out to Juan's Gallery. Thank you so much. I appreciate the feedback. Uh, If you have any feedback on the show or you want to leave a review, again, I would greatly appreciate it. I'll be reading some of those reviews on, on each episode. Uh, and you can do that at powertimepodcast.com slash iTunes. Uh, it would mean the world to me, and I appreciate it. Okay, moving on. We have Nestor's CES report. And this is an update from the 1989 International Winter Consumer Electronics Show, where Nintendo supposedly had the biggest booth at the show, according to the magazine here. CES is like the precursor to the infamous E3 trade show, which I'm sure we're going to cover in future episodes. I believe one of the E3s even gets the cover story on Nintendo Power. And I loved these types of previews of what's to come in gaming, uh, particularly with Nintendo, because it's just an overload. We're not just talking about one, two, three titles. Uh, We're talking about the best of the best titles from, from Nintendo, from, from the first party, from the third party developers. Uh, it's just information overload and super exciting. Uh, and I loved it even when you get into E3 uh, and it was covered on, on different channels like G4, Spike. Uh, it's just a really, really awesome time of the year uh, to keep tabs on what's going on in the gaming industry. Uh, and I wasn't super big into CES back, back then. Uh, I kind of started getting on the E3 hype train uh, but they covered it. They cover a lot here. So the first spread showcases a bunch of third-party companies and their upcoming hot titles. Capcom with Mega Man Two. Uh, there's a Terminator prototype from Sunsoft. Bayou Billy from Konami. Uh, TMNT gets featured here from Ultra. Double Dare from Game Tech. Friday the Thirteenth by LGN. That, that was a fantastic game. Uh, so lots of cool stuff here. And uh, the big surprise. Okay, the big big thing from CES was none other than. The Power Glove by Mattel. So this is the first time that the Power Glove gets featured uh, in a Nintendo Power magazine. So you see it. Um, You know, move over, Michael Jackson. This glove will make you a video superstar. Called the Power Glove, this controller by Mattel should be out by Christmas. It works when you move your hand in front of the screen, flexing your fingers or by pressing the control buttons on your wrist. So the image here is just awesome. This thing looks amazing. It looks futuristic. It looks comfortable. Uh, The box art, every kid 
is going to want one of these, and the hype only grows after seeing the glove featured in the movie The Wizard. So if you remember the Fred Savage movie, The Wizard, uh, there's that infamous scene with the power glove. Uh, I'll probably try to get the video from that scene and put it on the show notes. So if you want to check out the show notes for this episode or just Google the power glove video from The Wizard, it's fantastic. Pure, pure cheese. Uh, And we're only in... Uh, the March-April issue of 1989. So you have to think. You have to think. You know, if you're picking this up off the shelves, that's going to be a long wait until Christmas. And Mattel says that you know it should be under ninety dollars. Uh, so I imagine this is going to end up on a lot of kids' Christmas lists, knowing that it's coming out, knowing that it's under a hundred bucks. Uh, pretty, pretty awesome. There's also a contest here for CES uh, to win a trip to CES in Chicago. Uh, Who knows what we'll see in Chicago? This is an actual quote. Um, There's a picture of Howard Phillips, an illustration cartoon of Howard Phillips, and says, who knows what we'll see in Chicago? Maybe SMB3? So I love this. You know, they're already starting to tease Super Mario Brothers 3, which hasn't gotten a reveal, so no one knows how amazing it's actually going to be. Um, But man, oh man, Mario Brothers 3. All right, we're going to take a quick musical break, and we will be right back with the featured title of issue number five. save Earth at any cost. He has a purpose. He has skill. And now he has you to help him. This is Ninja Gaiden. All right, power players, this is it. This is the featured game in issue number five. This is the one and only Ninja Gaiden. This is a true NES classic for so many reasons. And we are going to get into those reasons right away. So Nintendo Power, they jump right in with a how-to-play section. uh, And we've seen this before. So, you know, Nintendo will let you know right away, this is the action. This is the play style that you're going to get. Uh, And they write in the magazine, Ninja Gaiden is more than a game. It's also a tale told in cinema display scenes. But it's action-packed too. During the action scenes, you defeat enemies and find weapons. So the more action you clear, the more story you'll see. And the cinema display here is in caps, signifying that it's a big deal, uh, almost a patented thing. And in fact, I remember seeing it in other uh, places where it actually has a, a trademark next to it. So I, I do think they actually patented it uh, somehow, this idea of the cinema display. And it's been teased in previous issues as well. Uh, They talked about it in in the last issue of Nintendo Power as being a thing uh, to look out for. So let's let's dig in. What exactly is this cinema display? So the cinema display is really just a fancy term that was coined by Tecmo, the developer of Ninja Gaiden, to refer to their cutscenes. And do you remember those cutscenes? So I want you to think back 
uh, to that that beginning sequence in Ninja Gaiden, or maybe after you beat that first boss, uh, do you remember uh, the dramatic cutscenes that kind of separate each act? I'm sure if you played at some point, you may remember these. And, you know, if you haven't, I'll I'll describe uh, what they were. So a lot of close-ups of the characters in this very cool kind of Japanese animation style. And there was this uh, slow building dramatic music that would loop as the dialogue would kind of scroll uh, on the screen and move the story along. Uh, so it was kind of a wide screen. You had the black bars at the top and the bottom. And on the on the bottom black bars, you would have the text come uh, up on the screen. And when somebody was talking, they would have a close-up on that person's face to signify that that person was talking. And uh, we're going to talk about that kind of slow driving music uh, in the story in just a bit. But let's keep going with Nintendo's coverage. So Ryu has a few different moves. You can run and hack and slash with your sword, and that is the most common attack. And I absolutely love, love, loved uh, Ryu's running animation. So he was just very, very stealthy and fast. Uh, and he kept his sword at the ready, uh, and it just kind of stayed in place as his feet kind of like pittered, pattered really, really fast. And it's great. It's very, very ninja-esque. Um, they captured the animations really, really well. Same with the jumps. Uh, and that was very, very popular in the Ninja Gaiden series. It was the ability to uh, do these jumps. So you had the wall spring jump, the wall climb, and the vertical climb, a couple different jumping techniques. And a lot of Ninja Gaiden was jumping on a wall or surface, uh, clinging to it, and then leaping to an adjacent surface. Uh, it was both challenging and rewarding at the same time, but... You know, most importantly for a Nintendo title, it was just a ton of fun. It was a lot of fun to be able to do these ninja jumps uh, back in back in the day. Uh, not too many games kind of had that dynamic. A lot of it was just run and jump, uh, but the ability to ricochet off of walls was pretty awesome. So there are a lot of items that you can grab to help, and these are all covered in the issue. You have throwing stars, the ninja windmill throwing star, the fire wheel. There's even an item that lets you do a jump attack. And my favorite was the windmill throwing star. So this kind of worked like a boomerang. So you could throw and cut down multiple enemies in one go. So if you had a bunch running towards you, it would just cut through one onto the next and then come back to you. So Nintendo Power covers some other items that you can grab. Uh, Power-ups for your bonus items. An invincibility item that surrounds you in a ring of fire that lets you just cut through anybody uh, a time freeze item, one-ups, and an item that helps you regain your health. There's also a pouch of bonus points, which adds to your total high score. Uh, so that's interesting. Ninja Gaiden and countless other games at this time still had a point system. Uh, so when you defeated an enemy or when you finish a level under a time limit, you would get points. And you could get bonus points and you could pick up bonus points. Uh, and these would add to your high score. And I personally, you know, as a kid, as a gamer back in the day, even today, uh, I never really played for points or the high score, uh, but it, it must have been popular, certainly a remnant from the arcade days, uh, and certainly a big deal uh, in certain uh, Nintendo clubs where playing for high scores was a matter of bragging rights. They even have, you know, in Nintendo Power, the ability to send in your high scores. So there's some really great artwork in this issue. Just some really cool illustrations of Ryu and the enemies from the game. Uh, the game itself had such a great Japanese-American 
you know, mixed vibe. Uh, and it's all captured really, really well and true to form in this issue. Uh, and, you know, there's even, uh, it looks like a pullout poster uh, that, you know, really captures Ryu in the snow, the close-up of his eyes that that's featured in some of the cutscenes. Uh, two ninjas silhouette, uh, the silhouette of two ninjas over the moon. Just like really, really super cool stuff. Uh, I, I absolutely appreciated the effort uh, to really demonstrate what this game was all about in this issue. Uh, so let's check out some more music from Ninja Gaiden. featured today are from the band the bit brigade and they covered check this out they covered the entire soundtrack and you can check out the show notes for a link to check that out because you know i would really really appreciate it if you love this uh and you love geeking out as much as i do to support bands like these because it's really really amazing work and they're still doing it uh the bit brigade has covered castlevania metroid contra Mega Man 2. They've just done a fantastic job uh, playing, you know, almost note for note covers, recreations of the music that we grew up listening to. Uh, so enjoy it in this episode. I want to thank them for their permission to use it in this episode. Uh, and uh, just definitely check out the show notes because I'll link up some of their other works. So, continuing on with the feature, Nintendo Power covers the first three of six acts in Ninja Gaiden. Uh, included here, uh, we have your typical layout of all the maps with tips on, you know, specific challenging segments, you know, jumps that are hard to accomplish, enemies that sneak up or have specific uh, strategies to, to, to be defeated. Uh, and especially, you know, this was important, where all of the power-ups are. So where all of those, uh, like the windmill uh, and the invincibility power-up, where those existed on the stages so that you could find them. Uh, and it's a really helpful little guide if you're just getting into the title. And I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I love getting little details about the characters and locations uh, that you don't typically get in the game. So the first level's boss fight, it takes place in a bar with a big brute uh, that's wearing a mask. And here we learn uh, that that bar's name is is Jay's Bar. We didn't know that previously. Uh, and I, I never knew that. And the enemy is barbarian and his alias is the south american executioner so all these little details uh he's from the dark reaches of the amazon and the leader of the malice four and his mission is to stop ryu i just really enjoy these fun little tidbits uh it's cool that they weave them throughout the issues of nintendo power and in some of these big game features we also have here uh synopsis synopses we have summaries of all the cutscenes, and this makes me so, so angry, and I've voiced this before. The story in Ninja Gaiden is awesome, and that's what makes this game so great. It's these cutscenes, but here Nintendo is just giving away too much of the story and the plot in, the ish- in this issue. 
uh, with these little summaries of each act uh, and how the story gets moved along. You learn so much uh, in this issue. So, you know, here's my low spoiler take on the story. Uh, what begins as a simple mission of revenge, uh, Ryu kind of sets out to the U.S. to avenge his father's death. And it begins as a mission of revenge, but it really becomes this interesting sci-fi, supernatural horror, espionage, suspense story. We meet a mysterious woman with a gun who actually shoots Ryu. Sorry, that was a spoiler. Uh, we meet a grizzled archaeologist named Walter Smith uh, who once knew Ryu's father. Uh, the CIA comes into the picture at one point. Uh, your enemy's form starts to take shape throughout the story, and he is this supernatural being. Uh, and all of this is done with, uh, it's accomplished with, you know, that classic NES dialogue, classic NES music, and these cutscenes uh, that weave this tale together uh, in between the action levels and the action sequences. Uh, so finally, you know, Nintendo Power wraps up this feature with a preview of the final three acts, spoiling everything. Uh, but let's take another quick break uh, just to hear some more Ninja Gated music, and then we'll get into the history of this great game. So Ninja Gaiden was developed by Tecmo. Uh, the Japanese version for the Famicom was developed in tandem with an arcade version. I did not know this. Uh, so many of you probably did, but I don't remember the Ninja Gaiden arcade. So this was a fun fact that I learned. These games were not ports of each other, uh, but they were developed by separate teams. And I, you know, I didn't have this Ninja Gaiden arcade in my local, uh, my local arcade. So I never had a chance to play it. I did watch a YouTube video uh, recently, and it's more of a Final Fight-style brawler. The developer and director of the NES version was uh, Hideo Yoshizawa, who produced the remaining two games on the NES. And then he would later work on, this surprised me too, he would later work on the Mr. Driller and the Klonoa titles from the 90s and 2000s. Uh, and I never played those, so I might check those out and look for similarities uh, to the Ninja Gaiden uh, trilogy from the NES. So according to Wikipedia, the game was modeled after Castlevania. And certainly, I, I see that. Certainly the gameplay is similar. It's a 2D side-scrolling action adventure with weapon upgrades. Uh, but the speed is just so much faster. Even if it's not technically faster, it just feels so much faster and fluid. Um, and I think that was what the, you know, that was the appeal of this game, at least for me growing up. So when developing the cutscenes, there was a huge emphasis on plot. The cutscene system was coined Tecmo Theater. All right, so this is from Chris Kohler's book, Power Up, How Japanese Video Games Gave the World an Extra Life. And I'm going to read this verbatim from Wikipedia. Dimitri Criona, Tecmo USA's Director of Sales and Marketing, 
said that the advantage of console games over arcade games allowed the creation of a longer game and the inclusion of cutscenes, which Tecmo trademarked as cinema screens. He noted the lack of motivation to drop quarters that has allowed this on home consoles, which required a different reward structure than in arcade games. And I really, really appreciated this note. This is super insightful, and it's totally true. Uh, this, you know, maybe not Ninja Gaiden, but, you know, Ninja Gaiden and other titles uh, around this time period, it really marks a shift in gaming from the arcade and the arcade-style titles. Uh, and I remember having an Atari, and all the games that we had were arcade ports. Uh, we start to see this shift in gaming from the arcade to the console, and these types of decisions, you know, to make this game more of its own unique experience and differentiate the console market from the arcade scene, it really feels like it lays the groundwork for narrative and cinematic storytelling in video games. So I'm not saying that if there was never a Ninja Gaiden that we wouldn't have titles like The Last of Us, but it certainly feels like, you know, this was the beginning of something. And there's also some interesting stories here uh, around localization of Japanese titles for American audiences. And this has been captured in various books, articles, and videos, uh, and not just with Ninja Gaiden, but with a ton of titles. Uh, it was just so much different uh, back then than it is now. So back then, all of the translations for Ninja Gaiden, they were handled uh, via faxing the scripts back and forth from Japan to the US. You know, now we would probably have Skype conversations um, or, you know, just instantaneous communication with email. Uh, but there was this, uh, this faxing that was going on between both, both countries to translate the game. So Ninja Gaiden went on to be very successful, yielding two NES sequels, The Dark Sword of Chaos in 1990 and The Ancient Ship of Doom in 1991. And just like Blaster Master, which we talked about in a previous episode, Ninja Gaiden got the novelization treatment with the World of Power series. Uh, so it had its own entry in the World of Power series. Again, that was a fictional uh, fan. It was almost fan fiction, uh, but it was it was officially licensed. It was a fictional uh, series of books that was actually led by one of my marketing gurus, uh, Seth Godin. So the franchise itself continued to grow, uh, appearing with a relaunched series in 2004. So a fun fact about me, uh, in 2008, uh, Ninja Gaiden 2 was uh, released uh, for the Xbox 360, and that was the game that pushed me over the edge to go and purchase an Xbox 360. That game was super, super amazing. And, you know, given its prevalence on the NES, I'm a little shocked that it didn't get a ton of sequels for the Super Nintendo and also the Nintendo 64. Uh, it just feels like it would have gotten one of those uh, one of those additional titles the way that, you know, Super Castlevania 4 came out uh, on the Super Nintendo. But I'm not going to dwell on that. Uh, so the other night, you know, I guess it was a week ago now, I sat down and I played through this game for the first time in maybe 15 years and it absolutely holds up. Of all the NES titles that I've picked up for this project so far, this has been the absolute best uh, to pick up and play. It's so fast, so fluid. The action is great. The narrative is compelling. And I will say this, the game is challenging. Uh, and I'm, I'm not happy to admit it, but I cheated. I used save states uh, to creep my way through the title um, I didn't have to rely much on it until the end, 
But the last level has three very difficult bosses. And if you die at any of the three bosses, you begin at the beginning of the stage, not at the boss battle that you left off on. And that, to me, that is very, very unforgiving. Uh, I couldn't do it. I don't remember beating Ninja Gaiden as a kid. You know, maybe I did with Game Genie or some other trickery, uh, but this was probably the reason why, because that last uh, segment with the three boss fights was so brutal. Uh, The music... Uh, was absolutely perfect, just like I remembered it. The action sequences had this kind of groovy driving rhythm. Uh, Each track kind of complements its corresponding stage really, really well. And for the cutscenes, there are these repetitive themes that just kind of build up the intensity. And we heard one of those earlier, Uh, just really slow, really, really driving, uh, building up that intensity. I love it. And I highly recommend that you go back and play Ninja Gaiden. If you haven't played this already, definitely check it out. Uh, It's so easy to get a hold of. Uh, So if you want to play Ninja Gaiden in 2016 or beyond, you can currently play it on the NES. So if you have an old NES laying around, you can find that title. Uh, You can play it on the Wii Virtual Console or the Nintendo 3DS Virtual Console. Uh, And there is also a remake for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Uh, called the Ninja Gaiden Trilogy, and that's also unlockable, I didn't know this, in the 2004 Xbox version of the remake, the uh, Ninja Gaiden Reimagining. Um, So if you want to play this game, there are multiple ways to check it out, and I highly recommend that you do. Uh, And that's going to wrap up our segment on Ninja Gaiden. Amazing, amazing title. Uh, And we're going to keep plowing through this issue number five of Nintendo Power. So up next, we have a feature on Hudson's Adventure Island. You remember this gem? You play as a little caveman on a skateboard. Just a classic side-scrolling platformer with some fun, unique game mechanics. Uh, This was was a cool title. Uh, After that, we get into this new preview section. And we are going to get a glimpse of Strider... Cobra Triangle, Bayou Billy, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But before we do that, we have this totally wild Strider pullout poster, which is very, very cool. Um, And we're going to dig right into Strider. So this game was developed by Capcom. And according to Nintendo Power, it is an exciting game of deception and intrigue within the confines of a powerful secret organization. So from the looks of it, Uh, It appears that this is a sci-fi-ish Ninja Gaiden. Uh, Strider has a ninja look with his red mask and his weapon, the Cypher. We learn a little bit more about the story and the gameplay. Uh, We learn that you are searching for data disks and keys. Uh, There's a couple cool boot upgrades that you can take advantage of. Uh, And we also get a map of the first stage. So we're going to keep an eye out for some more Strider in future issues. After that, we have Cobra Triangle, a speedboat game, which looks pretty fun. Uh, It looks like, from the pictures in the magazine, it looks like RC Pro-Am. And they even mention here that the boat controls similar uh, to the RC Pro-Am car, which was a racing game back in the day by Rare. Uh, After that, we have The Adventures of Bayou Billy. Uh, Do you remember this game? Uh, uh, This is a game that I absolutely remember renting a lot. Um, but I don't remember playing it. I just remember picking up the title and renting it for some reason, Uh, but I'm going to go back and play this one because it looks really, really interesting, Uh, and I remember it was super popular at the time. So uh, Bayou Billy, 
There's crack shooting, four wheeling, mud flying, fist fighting action. I'm reading this verbatim. This one's as steamy as the swampland itself. So again, it's just this stylish Konami beat 'em up game. Uh, you can also use the zapper. So I'm curious to learn how you can use the zapper. There's some driving stages, highly anticipated title. Uh, we will dig in when this one gets a review. All right. One of the greatest NES games of all time. I'm talking about the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's based on the hit comic book series. Yes, I'm saying comic book series because that's what they're referring to uh, in this magazine uh, because the cartoon uh, really hasn't bloomed at this point in 1989. It existed, but it wasn't uh, the hype train that it was in the early 90s. Uh, and then later on, it will become a movie franchise, a toy line. You know, you name it, they put the turtles on it. Uh, and still to this day, they continue to reimagine the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because, you know, spoiler alert, next week, these righteous mutant turtles are on the cover of issue number six. Uh, so here we just get a breakdown of how each turtle's weapons differ, uh, the differences in gameplay. There's the top-down view and the side-scrolling action screens. Um, for the first few areas, we have some maps, uh, sewers, buildings. Uh, we have a map of the infamous swimming stage where you have to go and disarm the bombs. Absolutely love that. I uh, do remember disarming those bombs because that was, you know, one of the most challenging NES, uh, tasks as, as a kid. I'm really, really pumped to get deeper into this game and the history next week. I don't know anything about the history of this game, the development, uh, you know, how it came to be. So I'm excited to check it out. Um, and all of these introduced Nintendo Power's new power meter, which rates how the team felt about the game using a sliding scale in four categories, graphics and sound, play controls, challenge, and theme slash fun. So these get an explanation later on in this issue. Next up, we have Counselor's Corner. Again, Counselor's Corner, tips from the Nintendo Pros. Games covered here are by now by Games covered here are Bionic Commando, Simon's Quest, Blaster Master, Zelda 2, Mickey Mousecapade. Uh, and you know, you want to get your hands on those hot tips so that you can be the hero in the neighborhood. So this was a good up a good issue to pick up. Uh, you know, especially Simon's Quest still getting featured. Pretty awesome. Uh, after that, we have Howard and Nestor. We have a two-page Howard and Nestor comic. Uh, Nestor, of course, is moping around. In this case, he is in a library. Uh, he says that he hates doing book reports, and he just wants to go home. He finds an old book recounting the adventures of Link in Hyrule, and he starts to fantasize that he himself is Link. But he gets stuck in the town of Saria. He can't convince the river man to let him cross the bridge. He doesn't know what to do, as many gamers didn't back in this time, as we mentioned earlier. But lo and behold, Howard Phillips shows up uh, in his daydream. He's dressed as a knight, uh, and he's got the tip. He says, you know, uh, Nestor, you have to go see Bagu. Uh, so this was a good one. Again, you know, that that Bagu thing must have been really challenging back in the day, that they have to not only bring it up in the Zelda segment, but also in the Howard and Nestor comic. They must have gotten a lot of calls about that one. After this, we have classified information, more tips and secrets. Uh, we have Bionic Commando again, Golgo 13, Milan's Secret Castle, Adventure Island, Operation Wolf, Spy Hunter, uh, Zanuck. 
Wizards and Warriors, Double Dragon, The Adventure of Link, Simon's Quest, Skater Die, and Super Mario Brothers 2. That is a whole lot of tips and secrets. Uh, following classified information, we have the top 30. And this is kind of a strange movement. Again, I mentioned they moved some of the sections around. And I personally was used to it being at the end of the issue. So I'm actually going to hold the top games for now. And I will reveal those at the end of this episode. You know, just like we've done in the past few, I'll I'll reveal the top 10 of the top 30 here. Uh, So moving along, we have a section uh, dedicated to the power pad. And this feature is called the power pad party. And I'm excited. I've been waiting for this feature for a long time because I mentioned earlier that I was a huge fan of the power pad. I've been patiently waiting for a feature on it. Uh, this one is brought to you by two animated newscasters, Steve Sports Guy and Mike Motormouth. Uh, and again, my cousin Rob had a power pad and we played on this thing for hours and hours. We found ways to kind of cheat the pad. So like for a long jump in track and field, you know, we jump off the pad to simulate that we were still in the air and then we would jump back on the pad with just the perfect timing. And then for foot races, Uh, we would get on our knees and we would actually just use our hands instead of our feet to simulate faster running. Uh, And it was just an absolute blast. No matter how you've played it, it was just so much fun. So this feature goes over a few titles that were compatible with the Power Pad, World Class Track Meet, Dance Aerobics, and Super Team Games. I've never played Super Team Games, but it looks really, really cool. They have relay races, six-legged races, uh, just like a bunch of camping and family barbecue games, it, it seems. Uh, in this feature, there are a lot of late 80s photographs uh, of a family, uh, two families wearing matching crew neck sweatshirts uh, in their house. And it's just amazing, super retro, totally radical. Uh, but yeah, great feature. Um, I would love to get my hands on a power pad and, and, and try that out one more time. Up next, we have video shorts. And video shorts are a quick glimpse of the games coming out or recently released for the NES. Uh, featured in issue five is California Games. You remember, you may remember this game. Uh, skateboarding, surfing, footbag. Uh, they've got footbag, bro. Uh, here's a great quote. Come on, dude, bring your baby oil and let's catch some rays. We've got uh, you know a lot of cool California games that you can play uh, featured in this video shorts preview. After that, we've got Taboo, The Sixth Sense, which is some bizarre uh, tarot card game. Uh, Nabunaga's, Nabunaga's Ambition. Okay, we have a game here called Nabunaga's Ambition. And it seems to be a 16th century feudal Japanese game. Uh, and I've has anyone ever heard of these games? If you've heard of these games and you've played them and you're a big fan, I'm, I'm not talking about now retroactively playing them and uh, getting into kind of the history of them. But if you as a kid uh, purchased a copy of Nabunaga's Ambition and you played it, please, please tweet at me at Yo Power Time and let me know that you played it because I would love to talk to you and uh, get your take on that. Uh, Desert Commander, Mappy Land, a classic. Uh, Airwolf, Predator from Activision based on the film. Flying Dragon, uh, we have another bizarre title that rarely gets talked about, Flying Dragon. Uh, And then moving on, we have the NES Journal. So the NES Journal opens up with a weird preview of Nintendo's AFD reality game system. 
series of game packs that highlight domestic activities like dog bathing, job training, um, hat tossing, transforming into an ancient warrior by using marshmallow cream. Uh, Really, really bizarre stuff. It's this long article, and at the end of it, they write, by the way, for those of you who have been wondering what the AFD stands for, it turns out that it is short for April Fool's Day. Gotcha. So we know they have some humor over here at Nintendo Power if they're able to spin up April Fool's Day jokes like these. And next up, a quick NES trivia test. No prizes here just to see how big of a fanatic you are. Uh, Just answer a few questions and get a score. So for the celebrity profile this month, we actually have a feature on Shalane McCall. And Shalane McCall is an actress from the show Dallas. And this is amazing. Listen to this uh, 80s, 90s name dropping that Nintendo does. Uh, So Nintendo writes, McCall does not experience the fun and excitement of Nintendo alone. Friends such as Ahmed Zappa, son of Frank Zappa, and Ryan Lambert of Kids Incorporated, remember that show? Uh, take out of their take time out of their busy schedules to challenge McCall's Nintendo game playing skills. I often go to a friend's house to play Nintendo, says McCall, and it's fun to see my friend Steve Dorf on the Double Dragon ads. Talk about name dropping! This is fantastic. So I, I'm going to look up that Steve Dorf ad, see if I can find it, because uh, that would just be fantastic. Uh, there's a new feature in Nintendo Power this issue, and it is the out of sight page. And this is reminiscent of those Highlights Magazine puzzles that you may remember from your doctor's or dentist's office. Uh, there's a Guess the Difference Between Two Pictures puzzle, uh, which is a, an illustration of Link, um, and a Find the Hidden Creatures puzzle with an illustration of Mario. Up next, we have something really awesome, and this is new to Nintendo Power. It's the Nintendo Power Awards of 1988. Users also had to include uh, their age and sex if they wanted to submit their ballot. Uh, So you could vote on games, uh, but you had to include that market research data. Uh, Again, just genius marketing from Nintendo. They just wanted to get as much data as possible, find out what players were into. Uh, Voting was based on the following categories. You have best graphics and sound, best challenge, best theme slash fun, best play control, best character, best ending, best player versus player, and best game overall. Uh, So you get to choose between anywhere between five, you know, four to ten, I guess, uh, options that are pre-selected for you uh, for these categories. So the best overall titles options are Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, the original The Legend of Zelda, Golgo 13, Super Mario Bros. 2, Mega Man, Double Dragon, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, Metroid, Blaster Master, and Bionic Commando. So I'm excited to see who takes the gold for the 1988 Nesters. Up next, we have Video Spotlight and NES Achievers. And I gloss over these each episode because I just don't personally find them to be that interesting. And, you know, players just share their high scores and their strategies. And I mentioned earlier, I'm actually going to restructure the podcast to not follow the format of the issues directly. Um, so I'm going to create my own segments uh, just to trim the fat and make sure that I'm, I'm not going cover to cover and reporting things that are boring, uh, but really bring the most interesting content uh, for you, the listener. Um, after that, we have Packwatch. Uh, moving along, we have one of my favorite sections. Uh, so Packwatch was one of my favorites. It's a look into the future of NES game releases. And this one introduces one of my favorite trio 
of NES titles. Like, hands down, you know, I owned all three of these games. I played all three of them until the cartridges flat out wouldn't work without losing my breath blowing into them. Um, And that is the initial partnership between Disney and Capcom. So I'm talking about uh, DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, and Adventures in Disneyland, this trio of titles. And they get announced here uh, through Packwatch. There's no screenshots, but listen, you know, if I wasn't playing Nintendo, I was absolutely watching Disney Channel. So these were like my two hobbies. Um, you know, maybe I had three hobbies. So I would go out and play with my friends. Uh, we played Manhunt, Run the Bases, whatever. Uh, but listen, I, I wasn't an outdoor kid. I was inside playing Nintendo. Uh, and if I wasn't playing Nintendo, I was watching the Disney Channel. And Disney, for me, you know, back then, that was a premium channel. And if I remember correctly, uh, we were absolutely blessed to have the Disney Channel because it was included in a cable package with Prism. Uh, so I'm reminiscing here. But, you know, if anyone remembers Prism, uh, especially if you were in the Philadelphia area, you will remember Prism because Prism had access to the Philly sports. Uh, so if you wanted to watch coverage for the Phillies and the Flyers and I believe the Sixers, uh, this was it. You had to have a subscription to the channel Prism. Uh, and, the, you know, it was absolutely the way to go. So as a result, you know, as a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch any Prism, uh, you know, R-rated movies, sports, which I wasn't super into as, as, a, as a, a young lad. Uh, but as a result, I got the Disney Channel. Uh, So DuckTales, boom, Rescue Rangers, boom, Adventures in Disneyland, you know, these games just sounded phenomenal to me. Uh, So I'm super excited. We'll get into these in later episodes, I'm sure. Uh, But moving on, we have Star Trek V by Bandai, Clash at Demon Head, Street Cop and Athletic World using the Power Pad, Chess Master, Batman by Sunsoft, Bad Dudes, Super Dodgeball, Guerrilla War, and Thundercade all arcade ports. Uh, We have Wheel of Fortune Jr. and Jeopardy Jr. We have Stealth Eagle, Pinball Alley. So Pinball Alley introduces three new pinball games coming out. Dragon Warrior 3 is featured here, and that was mentioned, you know, one of the early issues of Nintendo Power, Dragon Warrior 3, uh, was super big in Japan. Uh, And they mentioned here in Packwatch that we'll be getting the first title, uh, an American version of the first title will be coming, so that's a pretty big deal. Monster Party is mentioned here, a cross between Castlevania and Mario Brothers. And uh, those, those gossip gremlins, so gossip galore, we have Godzilla, Goal, Vegas Dream, Adventure of Lolo, Fisher Price, Kung Fu Hero, and California Raisins. So California Raisins was by Capcom. I had no idea. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to learn more about California Raisins. Uh, and finally... Uh, there is a section called the Grumble Grumble Department, which announces some delayed titles. Um, just goes to show that, you know, you always had delays even back then. Uh, it was a reality. Uh, chip shortages, development delays, it just happens. So when games get delayed these days, you can't get too upset because it's always been happening since the days of the NES. So we're coming up to the end of the issue, so I want to revisit the top 30 that I skipped over. Uh, These are your top 10 games uh, for March, April of 1989. We have at number one, the infamous Super Mario Bros. 2. 
After that, we have Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. At number three, we have The Legend of Zelda. At number four, we have Mike Tyson's Punch-Outs. At number five, we have Contra. At number six, we have Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest. At number seven, we have Bionic Commando. At number eight, Blades of Steel. Shing! At number nine, we have Double Dragon. And at number 10, we have Metroid. So uh, they always like to highlight, you know, interesting moves on the top 30. So Mike Tyson's punch out moved from six to one in the players picks. So the NES players really, really uh, dug punch out back then. Uh, And, you know, it was an amazing game. So I don't blame them. So next up, I want you to stay tuned. Next week, uh, we will be bringing you episode number six, which is going to cover the May-June issue of Nintendo Power, which features none other than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Join us as we pry open the secrets of everyone's favorite mutated quartet and hide your pizza. We're going to cover a little bit more of Ninja Gaiden. We're going to cover Mega Man 2, the new adventure hit from Capcom. I don't think they have any idea how big Mega Man 2 is going to be. Uh, Well, maybe they do, uh, but we're going to find out. The final ad is a call for people to refer a friend, so to say. So if you got someone to subscribe uh, to six issues of Nintendo Power, you became part of an elite force, the Honorary Team Power membership, uh, and you got an Honorary Team Power certificate, uh, with the Team Power Insignia. So a smart move from Nintendo, you know, early days of uh, magazine referral programs. So that was the inside flap ad. If you flip over to the very back, you know, the back cover of, of the magazine, uh, it features the official seal of quality, you know, that gold Nintendo seal. And it says, guaranteed hot. Look for this bright gold seal on all Nintendo-approved game packs and accessories for the NES uh, and, you know, super retro, super late 80s. The the design here is, is a, one of those backgrounds, like when you were getting your school photo taken and you can choose one of those laser backgrounds. Uh, that's what we see here on the back cover of Nintendo Power. But it was a big deal. You know, if you wanted the best of the best, no third-rate, third-party junkware, you had to look for that seal, that seal of quality. All right, Power players, it's been a fun one. Looking back on Ninja Gaiden, uh, that's going to wrap up today's episode. And remember, if you want to play with power and hang out with other power players like yourself, check out powertimepodcast.com slash unlocked and join our private Facebook group. It's been a ton of fun. Uh, and if you dug this particular episode, please be so kind as to leave me some feedback uh, either on iTunes with a review or you can tweet at me at Yo Power Time. Uh, if you want to leave a review on iTunes, it's powertimepodcast.com slash iTunes. Again, it would absolutely mean the world to me, and I'm going to be reading some of those reviews, uh, good, bad, and indifferent on the show. Uh, let me know what you think of the format of the show. Again, I'm going to switch things up a little bit, so after I do that, let me know how you feel. I'm trying to get them a little shorter, trying to trim the fat, trying to keep it to uh, really focus on the featured cover story, uh, in, in the secondary and tertiary stories, and then just any interesting fun facts from the issue. Um, but I want to just put an, uh, an emphasis on the music, an emphasis on the history of these games and, and the playability, uh, and really just keep them fun. You know, I don't want this podcast to ever feel boring. So as I'm talking about 
uh, sections of the magazine that I think are boring. I don't, I don't even want to cover them too much in the podcast. I just want this to be a nice, enjoyable, fun ride uh, into our pasts. So again, I just want to recognize the music in this particular episode. So for this episode, we did things a little bit differently. We only featured music from the featured uh, game, uh, which was Ninja Gaiden, and we only featured music from one artist because the Bit Brigade uh, just absolutely crushed it with this soundtrack record that they put out. Uh, and I'm going to link that up at the uh, on the show notes. So powertimepodcast.com slash five will take you to the show notes and I will link you up uh, to where you can check out more of the Bit Brigade. Uh, we also heard, of course, the unofficial uh, theme to Power Time, which is Eat My Chips by Azor Flux. Uh, and, you know, that is used with permission. Azor Flux puts out so much amazing music. Uh, and I linked that up in the show notes as well. So with that, you know, until next time, this is Tom Tate signing off. I want you to keep on playing with power. <laughs> <laughs>